Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, March the 14th, 2022. It is currently 1.32 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from my upstairs room here in my house here in Abilene, Texas. Typically, I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located in the middle of nowhere, Texas. But today, I'm coming to you live from my upstairs room right here in Abilene, Texas. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to listen to a live broadcast. I hope this will prove to be very beneficial, very helpful, and maybe, maybe, The perspective I'm going to offer will be very different than maybe the perspective you're hearing today on social media, because we're going to be talking about something that has stirred up a little bit of controversy, and everyone seems to have a very strong opinion about it, and as usual, I typically find myself, well, going against what many people have to say. So I'm going to try to offer a different perspective. But before I tell you about the controversy, before I tell you about the story, before I even read the news headline, let me ask you a question, and I want you to be as honest with yourself as you can be. When it comes to the world of Christianity, when it comes to Christianity in general, Christianity at large, do you find that in many situations, it at least feels like that Christians seem to be happy to condemn. They seem to be happy to judge. They seem to rejoice over condemning someone or sharing information about someone's mistake or someone's failure. Do you think, and I, I want to I, I ask it this way, do you feel that there are many Christians who seem to take greater pleasure in condemning, judging, gossiping, and sharing information than they do in desiring someone to repent and desiring someone to be restored and desiring to help protect someone, not protect someone from an illegal action, but I'm saying protect them in the sense of, yes, confront them, but love covers a multitude of sins, dealing with the sin and the most private, direct way possible, not just creating public shame and scandal for the sake of doing so. I just feel that many Christians seem to almost, especially on social media, they just look for an opportunity to condemn someone, to call someone some names, to tell everyone how they can't preach or their preaching is wrong, and it's just attack, 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 attack. And I know that is very much a prevalent attitude and a prevalent characteristic of the culture in which we live. It's just, it just seems like people, they want to use social media to argue, to debate, to condemn, and to judge. I I just, I just sometimes seem, I just feel that many Christians seem to have a greater passion, a greater zeal for condemnation, for judgment, than for weeping, for prayer, for seeking restoration and repentance. Just two scriptures come to mind right here. Two scriptures. Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be, be gone astray, 
Doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? Do you feel Christians have a great passion and a zeal to leave the 99 and go find the one who has gone astray? Or do they, they're not going to leave the 99 to go seek the one that's gone astray. No, they're going to hang out with the 99 and talk about, oh, did you hear and condemn and condemn and condemn and condemn and condemn and condemn and throw out their, their pronouncements of judgment and their pronouncements of condemnation and share their information. Are they going to leave the 99 to go find the one who's gone astray or just going to hang out with the 99 on social media offering their, you know, what they feel to be their self-righteous condemnation and their own self-righteous opinions? I think that's an important question to ask. Here's another scripture. Here's another scripture. Luke chapter 15, verse 10. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over the sinner who repents. And I sometimes joke, well, the reason the angels have to rejoice and the pre- why, why, let me state it again. I typically say, or I will sometimes say something like this. The reason it's the angels who are rejoicing is because the Christians would not be rejoicing over a sinner who repents, would probably be like, well, I don't really know if that repentance is genuine and it's probably fake and I don't really believe them and I don't trust them. And I heard that there was more. I think it has to be angels rejoicing because I believe Christians rejoice in people's failure, not in their repentance. I think Christians rejoice in condemning and judging, and they don't seem to even believe that there can be any restoration. It's almost like Christians condemn cancel culture, and then Christians act in many cases in a very similar way. Well, what do, what do you think? You, you may agree, you may disagree, but I just believe, and, and I, and I'm not trying to offer percentages, and hopefully I, I, I may have said, I feel, I, well, I said, I feel that many Christians are like this. I'm not trying to say most, but I just seem that, and again, maybe it's social media, which doesn't always get an accurate representation of how Christians think, but I will say that many Christians on social media demonstrate and display this way of thinking is just condemn, 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 judge, judge, judge. And they all do so as if they sit on some throne of righteousness that gives them the ability to point out everyone else's flaws and everyone else and that everyone else is wrong. Put it this way. There is at least a, there, there, that this is at least present in some circles of Christianity. I, I, I just want to be as accurate as I can. But the reason I'm bringing all of this up, the reason I'm asking these questions is because I saw the following. First, there's the headline, and then there's kind of like the, the sub-headline, right? Underneath the headline. And, and I read these words, right? And I read these words just a couple of days ago, and I'm like, well, do I talk about this? Do I not talk about this? And then I kept seeing it pop up on different websites, different websites. And I'm like, okay, and then when I would read the comments underneath some of these articles, I was absolutely appalled and, well, saddened by what I read. Here is kind of the, the subheadline here. Angry evangelical lynch mob turns on one of its own again. 
angry evangelical lynch mob turns on one of its own again. So clearly this is going to be a story about evangelicals, what, as this author describes it, turning on one of their own, turning on someone who claims to be a Christian. They're going to turn on someone. They're going to, and, and sometimes the, the world, feel, I think that's how they perceive us, that we turn on our own. We attack our own. We kick our own when it's, when they're down. We don't, we seem to rejoice in it. We don't seem to weep for their, their brokenness and their, and their, and them fallen and their sin. We, we don't rejoice. We don't even want to rejoice in repentance. We, we, we like to just pile on and, and continue to attack and continue to hurt. And, and it, it just, it really saddens me. But, but what do you think they're referencing? Well, here we go. Here is the full headline. What the Furtick, Furtick, F-U-R-T-I-C-K, what the Furtick megachurch pastor under fire for endorsing Teen Sun's explicit music. Oh boy, we've got an angry mob of evangelicals upset because Stephen Furtick, okay, not, now let me make it very clear. When they say what the Furtick, they're referring to Stephen Furtick. He is the pastor of Elevation Church. Now, I disagree strongly with Stephen Furtick's theology. I disagree strongly with a lot of his preaching and his hermeneutics and how he interprets the Bible. I disagree strongly, and I have no problem condemning his theology or condemning maybe his hermeneutics, because I think that's fair game, because you're dealing with doctrine, theology, and preaching. But I know Christians will also, if they don't like someone, if they don't like a preacher, they will look for every reason to condemn the preacher. I remember back when a famous megachurch pastor's son killed himself. And I turned on the microphone. I'll never forget this. And I offered compassion and I tried, I sympathy. And I was like, you know, I'm so sorry this happened. This is horrible. It's tragic when, when someone's son would kill themselves. And, and I just, I didn't have anything bad to say about the, the mega church pastor at that time. Now I did not agree with that mega church pastor's theology or their doctrine, anything like it, but it wasn't the time to, to attack their doctrine and theology. Their son just killed themselves. This is a time for compassion. This is a time for love. This is a time I know controversy, controversial to say this empathy, but the emails I received after that was insane. He got what he deserved. It was his theology that led to his son to kill himself. He got, he reaps what he sows. His theology has hurt people. Now he deserved, and it was just like, I, it was the most unloving, evil craziness that I had ever seen, all coming from professing Christians standing on their, you know, sitting on their throne of self-righteousness and they looked at it they, because they don't like this pastor's theology. It was an opportunity to attack him because his son killed himself. It was, it was frightening to, to, to see that happen. So Stephen Furtick from Elevation Church, he obviously has endorsed his son's, as this article calls it, explicit music. Now you got a lot going on here. We have Stephen Furtick, megachurch pastor, who many love to hate. 
We have music. Now, you just mentioned music, and the evangelical world will just just work themselves up into a frenzy because, man, anything about music, Christians are going to, there's going to be some Christian upset and condemning and yelling and screaming and losing their mind because music is just, the very subject is controversial in the history of uh, evangelical world. So let's see what's going on here. Here's the story. Elevation Church founder and senior pastor Stephen Furtick and his wife, Holly, have come under fire in recent days for supporting their teenage son's music, which has lyrics that include references to sex, guns, alcohol, and money. Lots of money. Now let's stop right here. Before we say it, before we do anything, anyone who's condemning Stephen Furtick for supposedly supporting his son and his son's music, let's say he's, he's, let's say he's explicitly endorsing the lyrics. Let's say he's doing that, that he's explicitly endorsing the lyrics and the music and that no pastor should endorse that kind of content. Everyone who's running around screaming like that. Okay. I, here's what I want to do. I want access to what you watch on TV. I want to know what movies you watch. I want to know what TV shows you watch because before you start pointing the finger, because I've seen the hypocrisy here. Christians will, if someone listens to a song that has explicit language or content about sex or guns or alcohol or anything like that, Christians will condemn that to the 18th level of hell. And then they'll go sit in front of their television set watching movies that have explicit language, has violence, has alcohol, and they they can't see the hypocrisy there. Hey, you can't listen to music that talks about these things, but I can watch television shows and movies that talk about these things. So first of all, if anyone condemns Stephen Furtick for this, they better check their own television viewing habits and movie viewing habits. But let's see what happens here. So last week, 16-year-old Elijah Furtick, a hip-hop artist, released his first album, Teen Machine. Teen Machine. All right? Uh, Elijah Furtick's opening song, No Hook, features reference to, to sex. I won't get into the particulars here because I don't know who's listening and I don't know if you have your children around. References to sex, drinking alcohol, and his bro keeping a gun. The music video for the song has over 56,000 views on YouTube. In case you're wondering what all the fuss is about, here is the offending video. And here they have it. All right. Uh, Following the album's release, Stephen Furtick congratulated his son for his hard work and even called him an inspiration and a heartfelt post on Facebook. Well, you know... You shouldn't have done that right there. You shouldn't have done that because you can't do that. Now, again, I don't agree with Stephen Furtick's theology. I don't agree with how he, his hermeneutics. I This has nothing to do with saying Stephen Furtick's theology is wonderful. He's great. He's the one you should listen to to learn the word of God. But I'm trying to just see, okay, why are we attacking him? We may disagree, but is it, how serious is this? I mean, let's say you don't, let's say you don't even listen to his preaching. You don't go to his church. You don't you already disagree with his theology. This, this is the time to pile on. I mean, if you already think that he's teaching false doctrine, or you may even think that he's a heretic, then who cares if he's endorsing his son? Now, if you love Stephen Furtick and this bothers you, okay. I mean, here's a novel idea. 
You could email Stephen Furtick. You could you could send him maybe a message and say, hey, I'm just a little perplexed here. Could you explain this to me? Right? I mean, that that's a possibility, isn't it? Now, I don't know if you'll get an email back, but you can at least attempt to do that. But here's the Facebook post. Dear Elijah. Now, at the same time, I don't, this is always bizarre to me. I know I see people do this on social media all the time. Like they're, they're going to, they're going to send a message to their daughter or their son or their husband on, on Facebook. Just walk into the living room or the kitchen or the bedroom and say, honey, child, whoever, you know, whoever they are, they're your spouse or your child. Here, I want you to know that I'm very proud of you. I don't know why you have to post it on Facebook because at that point, is it about your child or is it about you? Is it about, look, oh, look how good of a parent they are. They're posting on Facebook that they're proud of their child. Is it about you or is it about the child? If it's about the child, just go to the child, but okay. So he says, dear Elijah, you already know how proud I am of you. But today on the release of Team Machine, I want you to know that you inspire me. The day you showed me your first garage garage band Mark Ronson ripoff beat, I saw the spark. Next came the obsession. You locked yourself away and taught yourself the the intricacies of production and the basics of engineering. A lot of nights I'd hear you coaching yourself in third person, patiently guiding yourself through the learning curve. I think you brought me a new beat to listen to every two hours that summer. I love listening to everyone. Even though our taste in music are separated by decades, I was fascinated by your attention to detail, your sonic instinct, and your commitment to your new craft. Then you wanted to expand your YouTube channel by making tutorials. By that, by that meant you had to learn to edit video, now a whole new skill set. At first, you made excuses, but eventually you executed one tutorial after another. Now, I, he even acknowledges he doesn't have the same taste in music as his son. But he's trying to, he's trying to be positive. He's trying to encourage his son. His son is 16 years of age. At some point, when your child reaches six, uh, reaches this time in their life, you got to allow them to try to figure out who they are. Now, he could, you could argue that he should be, what, he should burst into the room. How dare you, you know, make any music that I don't approve of? But he's 16. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if his son even claims to be a Christian. If his son doesn't claim to be a Christian, are you going to try to force Christian morality on him? I understand there has to be rules in the home and there obviously be things you they, the child may or may not be able to do. But I'm just saying like at some point, you, he's, he's a young adult. He's got he's to start formulating some of these things for himself. He's got to formulate some of these things. That maybe you disagree with the lyrics. Maybe his father disagrees with the lyrics. I don't know. He doesn't go into great detail saying, hey, I want you to know that every lyric is amazing. Every lyric is approved by God. Every lyric is God glorifying. He doesn't say anything like that in any way, shape, or form. He just seems to be like, hey, you worked hard. He's, he's, he's praising him for his work ethic. He's praising him for, for developing his skills. He's praising him for, for uh, you know, pursuing his passion. Those would be all good characteristics to praise, right? Furtick, Furtick went on to say his biggest inspiration was Elijah believing his uh, voice. Lyrics and melodies were enough to create the project. Um, this is the part that inspired me the most because even with 
Auto-tune, letting your voice be heard even by your own ears is intimidating, Furtick said. Most people can't even stand to hear their voice for 10 seconds on an old video on their phone, but you had the courage to conceptualize and execute an entire project. Every 808 mix, every 808 mix and melody, you meticulously curated and created, selected and perfected. Now, in other words, what he's saying is, yeah, it, it, it's true. A lot of people don't even want to hear your voice. And if you're trying to make an album, you've got to listen to your voice over and over and over. You're edit, editing it. You're mixing it. You're breaking it all down. you got to listen to yourself over and over and over. And a lot, a lot of people don't even like to hear themselves. As someone who does podcasting, yeah, many times I'll finish a podcast. I'll know that I made some mistakes in it and I'll go back and listen. I don't like to hear myself. I don't like it in any way, shape or form. I hate it. So I, so I mean, he's praising him for his work. He's praising him like, I, I don't see what the big, this is a father be trying to be supportive of his son. Elijah's mother, Holly Furtick, told her son that she is proud of this project and a comment on his work on Instagram. So there, there's everything they did. Now, look, we can just ask some questions here. So what should they have done? They could have said, you will not listen to that kind of music. You will not make that kind of music in my house over my dead body. You could go all full blown like you could do that and you could ultimately destroy your relationship with your son. And at some point, he's going to leave your home and go make the music anyway. You can think that you're taking some righteous stand when in reality, all you may do is destroy your relationship with your son. I mean, you're going to destroy your relationship with your son over music. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but that Bible that we love and we believe is from God has some pretty messed up stuff in it, right? I mean, what what if he was to do a rap about two daughters who get their father drunk and has have physical relations with him? Would that would that be okay? What if what if there was a a, a story about a whole uh, all the men of the city coming to someone's house demanding that you bring the men out so that they can have relations with him? What 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 about that? What about I mean, I can go through some horrible stories in the Bible. So, yes, maybe he rapped about these explicit things, celebrating it. Maybe he did. He Maybe he rapped about these things, even endorsing them. And maybe we would be like, I disagree with that. Okay. Now, again, I don't know if his son even claims to be a Christian. At some point, you can't, you can't just, you, look, I, know, I know this is shocking to some parents, but you can't just simply like ground your kid into the faith. You can't simply, you know, force them to be a Christian. You got to give them a little opportunity to, to figure it out. But at the same time, trying to demonstrate Christianity to them, looking for every opportunity to share Christ with them, looking at every opportunity to try to challenge them, looking at every opportunity to offer correction. Now, yes, there are times where you have to draw a line. I understand that. I'm not saying just let the kid do anything they want, but I'm saying that he is 16. Maybe fast approaching 17. I don't know. I'd have to look at when his birth date is. But here we go. So that's everything that happened. I don't see anything like, <gasps> I can't believe, trust me. If, if we're going to condemn Stephen Furtick for anything, we can go to his preaching. We can go to his hermeneutics. There, there we have very objective things to condemn. Here comes a subjective argument about parenting styles. But then the sharks begin to circle. Within a matter of hours, perhaps less, 
The feeding frenzy of righteous indignation led by the conservative evangelical set began in earnest. The response of Keith Bell, an associate pastor and jail minister connected with Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia, was typical. Now, here is a pastor con- condemning another pastor. Why wouldn't this pastor simply, he could, I mean, maybe he did. Maybe he reached out to Stephen Furtick and go, hey, man, I don't. Could you explain your your thinking here? Could you explain your your philosophy about parenting to me? Because for me, it would be like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't, prom- I can't celebrate this because in a way you're promoting it. I got no problem questioning Stephen Furtick about it, but here we go. So Keith Elbell ran to uh, social media, of course, and he said this. First Timothy 3 says one of the qualifications of a pastor are that he must be one who manages his own house well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. Okay, so, so we're going to run to First Timothy 3. All right, now, a couple of things. First Timothy 3. So because his child makes music that may not be in line with Christianity, that means the child is out of control. That means he's not managing his house well. Seems like he has a good relationship with his son. So uh, if, a, if a pastor, if someone's a pastor and, and everyone in the church finds out that their son is, that that pastor's son likes the wrong kind of music, then that, per, that pastor is disqualified? So, and then it goes on, but if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? The below lyrics are from the song video released by the 17-year-old rapper. So now, so maybe he's 17. Maybe he's not even 16. He may be 17. I mean, at some point, the, the child's reaching adulthood. Can we just let the child be a young adult at this point? So I don't know if he's 16 or 17. Now we have two different ages. You may know him by his much more familiar last name, Furtick. Yep, the Elijah Furtick, son of Stephen Furtick, pastor of Elevation Church. So now he's, he's so here's a pastor who's going to hop on social media to attack. He's going, listen, basically what he's doing, he's attacking a teenager to go after his father. Like the whole thing just seems like leave the kid alone and talk to Stephen Furtick in prov- private. But, but now you're, you're bringing this, this, this father's son into the middle of this as an opportunity to attack Stephen Furtick. It just seems underhanded and questionable and unethical. And then here's some of the, uh, the, um, the lyrics. I got the drip, rich a million. I'm only 16, but I make up a billy. My pants are from Ricky. My bro keeps a bleak, a bleaky, a gun. I'm keeping a racks and I get them plenty. I'm dripping infinite, infinity. Now, you can question the, the rap ability there, okay, or my ability to read the rap lyrics, but I mean, that, that's, that's what you're going after? So because Stephen Furtick's son wrote a song called, I Got the Drip Rich a Million, I'm Only 16, But I Make Up a Billy, My Pants Are From Ricky, My Bro Keep a Bleaky, which is a, a gun, I'm getting, uh, uh, I'm getting, in racks and I'm getting them plenty. I'm dripping infinity. That that's enough to disqualify a pastor. That's it. You're done. You're done. You're done. That that's let's go after him. I mean, there's not even any obscenity there. There's nothing explicit there in any way, shape, or form. I mean, if that's the best you got to go after his son, I mean, now it just seems like you're just looking for something. You're just going after the son because you don't like Stephen Furtick. It just seems like that this is just ridiculous. Yes, Bell contended 
that Furtick should, should not be in ministry because he failed to run his household well. According to Bell, Furtick's son, artistic expression, represents a significant parenting failure. Bell even signed his post with the hashtag disqualified. But, but wait, there's more. When it comes to a theological pylon, Christians can be relied upon to deliver. The condemnation was swift and brutal. Here's a choice selection of a few of the thousands of Facebook comments about Furtick's support of his son's music. Attention, Elevation Worship fans. Stephen Furtick's son's new rap song content, his mother approving it, and the fact that they're keeping him on staff at their church should tell you all you need to know about the spiritual fruit of Elevation Church. Now, if he's on the, now this is, now this does raise at least a little bit of issue if the son is on staff at the church, I don't know what he does. That could raise some questions. But those above lyrics, now there may be something on the album. I haven't gone through the entire album with, you know, a microscope looking for every, oops, he messed up there. But again, go go to, don't go to Elevation Worship fans. The, the, this person is going, trying to get all the Elevation Worship fans. No, go to the church, contact the church and say, hey, this, this person's on staff. Okay, what do they do? We could probably look up and see what he does. I'm assuming he's probably with the worship team is what I'm assuming. Someone else says, train them up in the way they should go. Uh, it's not the kid. It's the parents endorsing what he's saying. Sweet water and bitter water coming out of the same fountain. The father preaches one way, but validates his son when he speaks against the same word. Your debt, you, 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 daddy, preach. You know, you know a tree by the fruit. And this person's name, they have A P O S T. So I'm against this person is claiming to be an apostle. Yeah, I would have a bigger problem with someone claiming to be an apostle than with Stephen Furtick's son. Okay, but that's whole thing. Demonic Christian music, and his dad is no better. God is watching. See how such righteous indignation, demonic music, and just, it's just, uh, like we, Christians can't come up with a better way to conduct themselves. He is a false teacher and a wolf in sheep's clothing. He must repent to his church and the world for him to have any credibility. Just the fact so many people believe him uh, to be a false teacher would cause any legitimate teacher to address the issue and ask for forgiveness for the appearance of ungodliness. Now, I got no problem if you believe he's a false teacher. Give us the false teaching and condemn it. I got no problem with that in any way. We're going after the teaching, but we're going after either a 16 or 17 year old in order to make his dad look bad. These are just a sample. There are literally hundreds of comments just like these, widely condemning both Stephen Furtick and his wife for having the gall to show their child some support. On the matter of being a pastor's kid, I speak as one who understands what it's like. For most of my childhood, my dad was a pastor and I lived under the constant eyeballing of good church people making assessments and judgments on my behavior and from that drawing conclusions about my parents' ability as parents. I want to say that I represented my parents well, but in reality, I used to sit on the floor and read or color in, in, color in during sermons because they were boring to a 10-year-old. I didn't stand and sing the songs either because I didn't want to sing out loud in public, and I would occasionally fight with my younger sister. I am sure my behavior was reported to my parents on multiple occasions by well-to-do Christian folk who believe that if their pastor can't manage his own kids, how can he possibly manage a church? 
And at some point, I wised up to the fact that everyone was watching my sister and me. It didn't feel good or safe. Everything I did or said was a reflection on my dad, and I often wondered how often I was an embarrassment to him. My parents did their best to shield us from, from the expectations, of course, but there was still, uh, it was still present. I could still feel it. In fact, I felt like a prop at a, the- a theater production a lot of the time. I wonder if Elijah Furtick feels the same. That, 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 you know, a lot of Christians who just do this stuff, like you don't even understand you're attacking a family for crying out loud. You're attacking a family. This, this article goes on to say, what were the Furtick's supposed to do? To all those conservatives riding on their theological high horse, I ask you, what exactly would you expect the Furtick's to do? I mean, the way I see it, they only had three options. First, they could have said nothing about their son's music video. But if they did, you can bet Christians would have been asking, why not? Someone would have found the videos, joined the dots, and exposed the verdicts like the scandalous expose and demanded uh, that they explain what they knew about uh, the offending music videos and why they didn't say or do anything about it. So it wasn't an option for them to say nothing. That is true. If they just didn't say anything, Someone would have figured it out like they're hiding it. They're hiding it. They're they're hiding it. We've got to expose this. Turn on my YouTube camera. Let's go. Let's turn on the podcast microphones. Let's expose Stephen Furtick because his son. So that option doesn't work. So what 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 then? Well, they could have publicly condemned their son's artistic expression and dodgy lyrics to appease the church. And the process it would probably would have damaged their relationship with their own son, if not crushed his spirit completely. Seriously, what normal red-blooded human would publicly humiliate their own son? Yet I sense that Pastor Keith Bell and those of his ilk would have been satisfied with nothing less than that from Furtick. You wouldn't blame Elijah Furtick for walking away from the church never to return. Yeah, they could have said, we don't support this. We condemn it. Yeah, that, that, that. What was that going to accomplish? Oh, it would have made all of the people who condemn you online happy. And what I've learned is you cannot make everyone online. You can't live your life trying to make everyone online happy. Or at some point, you'll find yourself alone in a closet with a gun ready to end your life because you'll live in a constant state of frustration and feeling like you're never good enough for anybody. Because Christians online will destroy you in 3.2 seconds. The third option is that the verdicts would have done precisely what they have done. They could ignore the potential wrath of the church and affirm their son's gifts, even if they happen to disagree with the lyrical content. I note that Furtick did not at any point explicitly affirm the lyrics, but he did affirm his son's gifting. There's a difference. That's a detail that most seem to have missed. We don't know what the conversations went on behind closed doors, but those who are hurling mud at the verdicts seem to have concluded that the parents and their son had never had conversations where critical thinking was encouraged. Those brandishing their stones do not allow themselves the liberty of believing that a 16-year-old, regardless of whether he's a pastor's kid or not, ought to be given the grace to explore what he believes, why he believes it, and how he expresses those beliefs without being hauled over the coals. I guess somebody like, your child will just do what you say. You will be a Christian. You will talk like a Christian. You will act like a Christian. And like, no, that, that's not the way it works. You got to give the child some ability to, to, to process it, to figure it out. Allow the faith to truly become his own and not the faith that he was given by his parents. 
And we don't know the conversations. We don't know what was said. This person said, I think the verdicts have done exactly the right thing. Well, put it this way. Of, out of all the options, they didn't have a lot of options. Now, you could argue, I, I mean, again, I'm not a big fan of the whole, hey, son, I'm going to post this on Facebook. And I, it's about you. If it's about your son, just go tell your son. But I understand if they didn't put something out publicly that someone was going to figure it out, then it would look like they're trying to cover up and hide it. So really, it's a no-win situation. When you reach that level of notoriety, fame, and celebrity, you, you're, I mean, you, you can't win in what you do here. He, this person says, I believe they did exactly the right thing. Why? Because one day the verdicts will be gone from ministry. When that happens, they will be forgotten about, about by those who, who they served and dedicated their best years of lives to. Listen, that is very true. That's one thing I've learned. The day is coming. I'm not going to be in ministry anymore. I'm not going to be a Christian podcaster anymore. And all the people who listen to me are probably going to forget me in five minutes. They're going to move on to the next podcast or the next thing. They're going to forget me. They're going to, they're, they're, I'm just going to be irrelevant. And then what's left after all of that's gone? Take it from me as a former pastor. When you walk away from a church, knowing that you love the people there and believing that they loved you too, you're surprised to find out only a handful or less ever speak to you again. That's the brutal reality of being a pastor. I know that to be a fact. Yeah, I can spend hours and hours and hours and hours in front of a microphone doing my best to minister, challenge, think, getting people to think. And man, when you turn off the microphone, even if it's for a year or two, it, you're forgotten. Everybody just moves on with their life. They don't come call on you to check on you. They don't care. They're done. But when it's all said and done, when the church is gone, the verdicts will still have their son. He will remember and appreciate, appreciate the time that mom and dad defended him against the church. I applaud them. For the record, Elijah Furtick's music doesn't float my boat. I'm not too fond of rap generally, and if I'm honest, I find the lyrics reasonably cringeworthy. But he's 16. Or 17. I don't know. There's seemingly to be some conflict there. So good on him for putting himself out there and having a go. I'm sure 30-year-old Elijah will look back at his music that 16-year-old Elijah made and laugh at himself. In fact, we are fools to our future selves, and that's okay. What a shame that certain Christians can't allow a child to do his own journey without judging him to be some kind of delinquent and labeling his parents as failures. I don't like Stephen Furtick's theology. I don't like his preaching. I don't know his son. So who am I to condemn his son? I can't judge his son. I don't know what his son is thinking. I don't know what his son is, is attending to do with his music. I don't know. It's not my place to know because I don't know him. I don't know what Stephen Furtick has talked to about his son or his wife. I don't know what they've said. I don't have any clue. I can't do anything about that. It's their son. It's their family. Let them struggle and figure it out. You know what is, I, I think that's not an acceptable target.
I don't know the relationship with his son. His son may be very obedient to his father. They get along. There's no, there's nothing out of control with the son. They may, they may not agree on music, but that's disqualifying now. Christians love to take the Bible and use it simply as a weapon to attack and bash people. Stephen Furtick's preaching, that's fair game because that's the preaching of God's word. Stephen Furtick's theology, that's fair game because that's dealing with the word of God. Stephen Furtick's private thinking and his motives, you can't judge that. You have no right to judge that. What's going on behind closed doors with his family? You don't know. You can't judge that. Christians think sometimes that they're God and that they can just judge everything and condemn it. And even if you believe Stephen Furtick messed up, let's say you believe he messed up. Okay, do you desire just to condemn him or why don't you pray for his family? Why don't you pray for Elijah? I wonder all the people who are posting condemnations. Have you prayed for Elijah Furtick? Have you prayed for him? That, that maybe over time he will take whatever talent he has and maybe move, move it in a direction that's more glorifying to God. Have you prayed for that? Have you prayed for Stephen Furtick and Holly Furtick for just the difficulties of raising a teenager in 2022? Have you prayed for them at all? But no, nobody prays for anybody. Nobody cares. Nobody compassion. Just condemn, 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 and probably share it. Got to share this on Facebook. Got to share this on Facebook. I got to let everyone know that the Furtick's are horrible parents. I got to let them know. Well, let us get some insight into what's going on in your home. But I'm going to say it again. Many of the people condemning Elijah Furtick for the music, I guarantee you they watch movies and TV shows that has explicit language and has content that does not meet, quote unquote, doesn't follow the biblical morality. In other words, it, it, it demonstrates things that go against it. I get, I've watched too many parents condemn their kids' music and then sit there and watch movies. And I'm like, what? In the, yeah, yeah, so your child can't listen to that album, but you can watch that movie? Use the same standard. Well, that, that song talks about alcohol. That movie shows people drinking. That song talks about someone owning a gun. That show had five people killed with a gun. That, that, that music had an explicit word. That movie had 13. Christian parents sometimes are hypocrites when it comes to that situation. All right, there we have it. That's a... That's my wonderful thoughts on this Monday afternoon. That's going to prove to be very controversial. But there you go. You can email me your disagreement. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Now I can say, I don't, Elijah Furtick will probably never hear this. But if you do, man, I'm sorry that Christians are attacking you. I'm going to pray for you. Hopefully you'll continue to develop your talent. And hopefully you'll use it for the kingdom of God, and to Stephen Furtick and Holly Furtick. I don't agree with your, you know, the theology of your church or the preaching of your church, but man, I know be, being a parent is not easy. It's difficult, and you'll have my prayers praying for you as you navigate. But not only being a mega church pastor and then trying to parent, uh, you've got a lot of difficulties in front of you. I pray for your family, and oh yeah, and I do, obviously, I do pray that you would, you know, change your doctrine and theology and maybe your hermeneutics, but I, man, not, as a parent, I, nothing more than I just hope for the best for the family.
All right, I'll stop right there. Everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to this special broadcast coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Everyone have a great day. God bless.